Hello and welcome to Who Are You? This is the Babylon 5 Watchcast, hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a favorite show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And we're going to do a quick little recast, because it's really mm -hmm. the last time I feel like we can. And then we're going to talk about the trailer for The Road Home. So, so exciting. Who are we going to yes. recast? Today we're going to recast Kosh and Mr. Morden. All right. Who do you want to do first? I think Kosh is probably going to be the most fun. Yeah. Yeah. Kosh is fun. And technically Kosh is already gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. We see a Vorlon that looks exactly like Kosh at the tail end of this episode, but yeah, it is, it is not Kosh. Yeah. We only have two Kosh costumes. That's the issue, I think. <laughs> That's why there's only two Vorlons at any given time. Yep. We only made two. It's a lot of shoulder pads, so I, I understand the expense. It is a 80s suit pants worth of shoulder pads. It is crazy. So for Kosh, honestly, I think, I mean, you can get away with a voice actor for Kosh. You can get away with, like, two yeah. people playing Kosh, right? Yeah, for sure. And so sure. You, can, you can pick someone who is older and might not be interested in wearing the bodysuit uh -huh. and just uh, doing voice work. And that is 100% where I'm pointing with this. Okay. Uh, because I think that this is the perfect role to bring back a legacy cast member for. Oh, and who would that be? I think the best choice would probably be Walter Koenig. Okay. Knowing that he can only do the voice work and stuff. But I think mm -hmm. the most fun choice, and what I'm actually going to put forth as my pick, is Bruce Boxleitner. Okay. Because... Like, as voice... Yeah, and as the voice of it? Kosh. Yeah. Okay. Because it's too perfect that way. Like yeah. having having him lead the new Sheridan along the path and be the mentor figure and stuff. It's too good. Mm -hmm. It'd be like Mark Hamill playing Yoda. It's it's perfect. Like just we don't need to fuck with it. It's great. We'll leave it as yeah. is. Yeah. I like that. There is a nice symmetry in it. We keep mm -hmm. our, our boy Bruce working, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. What's your pick for Kosh? Okay, so I was kind of on the same same track as you in that, like, you can do anything to the voice, right? For sure. Because it's supposed to be distorted. It's supposed to be a little bit electronically manipulated, like, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought, well, you know, he needs to be rather tall, I think. We need kind of a tall, imposing mm -hmm. body in there. And then I was like, well, okay, I'm just... Who who are actors over six feet tall? I feel like we need to minimum six feet on yeah. that. And then from there, all right, you know, what's amusing to me? And I settled on Samuel L. Jackson. Because <laughs> <laughs> he kind of got into his, like, wise mentory kind of thing in the Star Wars franchise, you know? Yeah. With yeah, Mace Windu. The Mars that a bit, too, yeah. Yes, so we could bring back the purple suit, you know, okay. maybe maybe rock that a little bit, and he could just have some fun with it, and then we can we can do whatever we need to do to the voice, you know, if the voice isn't working, it's not quite right, mm -hmm. just throw some filters on it, and we'll be fine, right? <laughs> All right, no, that's so that was good. that was my pick for Morden. I'm looking for unhinged yet charming. That can take uh -huh. a turn for downright terrifying. Okay, yeah. 
And when I think of that role and actors currently doing their stuff, two names immediately pop into mind, and that's Tom Hiddleston and Sarah Paulson. That's funny. I definitely thought about Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Paulson, though, that's the name I'm going to have to Google real quick. I see some credits in American Horror Story, which is not a thing that I watch. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that. I know her most recently from the OJ season of American Crime Story. Okay. Yeah. Or whatever I see that she's got the credit for Ratched, too. Yeah. Okay. I could see Unhinged there, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I wasn't thinking unhinged as much with my pick, but I was thinking, like, can have a a smirky face. Yeah. Gotta have a good smirky face. Gotta have a good smirky face. Number Morton. one quality of Mr. Morton. Yeah. And, you know, there's that classic sort of trope of, at least in America, <laughs> of <laughs> bad guys having British accents. You know, mm -hmm. we go back to our roots, make them the villains. So I was thinking maybe Benedict Cumberbatch. Hmm. Okay. Because he does have, you know, he, he's got some great hero credits, but he's also got some little bit more villainous turns that he's yeah. done. So I thought he might make a fine Morton. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. That's a vaguely British name, too. For sure. <laughs> okay. Well, that was our quick recasting uh let's talk about this trailer we have not discussed this trailer yet that's true like you and i personally have not had a chance to talk about it yeah so i'm excited to talk about it because i haven't really nerded out with anyone about it yet so let's let's go let's do it so uh let's refrain from any spoilers past this point past this episode which yeah, should okay. be pretty easy to do there i think so Especially because so much of this trailer is like alternate universe or yes. alternate timeline. Yeah, we got the alternate timeline universe thing that was, I think we, did we either knew that or that was a theory posited based off the casting list that it was going to yeah, be I think a little it was, time hoppy. I think that we we posited that and then it became confirmed pretty quick. Okay. I have the official blurb up if you want me to read it. Please do. So the official about blurb when you just Google Babylon 5 The Road Home says, John Sheridan unexpectedly finds himself transported through multiple timelines and alternate realities. Along the way, he re reunites with some familiar faces and discovers cosmic new revelations about the history, purpose, and meaning of the universe. Okay. So, there's a lot there. <laughs> there is a lot there. Life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. It, the trailer starts off with john sheridan after he has left babylon 5 which takes place in the future this is all post season 5 stuff so mm -hmm. him leaving the station and going to mimbar and the mimbari have this thing that runs off of tachyons and he's exposed oh, no. to it and he's just like tachyons oh shit <laughs> having been warned by zathras if he's ever exposed to tachyons again that it's going to be fucky and so yeah. he gets exposed to tachyons again and starts traversing time, space, and realities. Yeah. Trying to find his way home. There's a lot of fun alternate realities here. Mm -hmm. I want to know 
what led to there's one where they lost the shadow war and londo and ivanifa are like having drinks in lawn chairs yeah and i'm assuming they're on earth perhaps not (laughs) totally clear yeah uh why would londo be on earth don't know curious how he got there (laughs) why are ivanifa and londo of any character pairing (laughs) yeah yeah the whole thing reminds me a lot of into the spider-verse yeah so i'm hoping that we see the universe where everybody is pigs (laughs) like (laughs) spider-ham yeah there's just all kinds of like random shit it looks like the shadows attack babylon 5 in season one in one of these like we see sinclair in the old uniform and they're like shooting with Garibaldi and stuff and they're shooting up shadows and like down below or something. Yeah, that's probably reminiscent of that vision that Garibaldi had, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that's... that too. And I always wanted to know more about that. So I'm really hoping that we get some more detail on like how it transpired. Yeah, there's a lot of little stuff like that in this trailer. It looks real good. There is some end of the series spoilers at the very beginning. So if you are going through the show right now and have not finished it and you're going through with us, I'm sorry in advance for that. I would say it's probably safe to watch once we hit the start of season five is my gut feeling right now. Yeah. Okay. But it's hard to say exactly. We'll know more when we get to watch it in a... I'll get to see it in about a month. Uh, I know. That's so exciting. Do tell. uh, Well, I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from my old college roommate who has started a board game company. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, we need people to go to Comic-Con and work the convention floor. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got a booth by, you know, like Marvel and shit or wherever, like on the floor. I haven't seen the map yet. I don't know what we're actually next to, but that's the area we're going to be in and just like we need people to demo our new board game all day for five days and i'm all like i need like three hours off to go see the new babylon 5 movie but besides that i'm it yeah so i'm going to comic-con it doesn't feel real even though my flights are all booked and everything at this point um that is so exciting yeah so what day would you be going to that premiere do you know yet they haven't put out the calendar of when its stuff is oh, okay. at Comic-Con, okay. but it is the weekend of like the 20th through the 23rd. Okay. So, so I know approximately what days I need to be sitting here stewing in jealousy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my, 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 like my personal Facebook will be lit up with photos. I'll, if anything super cool happens, I'll put it on the discord too. Yeah. Do um, please do. I have all those Babylon 5 VHSs from Ben's father-in-law right now in my basement. Uh And I'm thinking I might try and get JMS to autograph a couple of them. (gasps) That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be just a cool piece to have. If, Mm -hmm. like, I could get him to autograph my VHS of The Gathering or something, I feel like that's, that'd be cool to have. That'd be great. And you, that's a, like, you can shadow box that, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get that get that out on display Mm -hmm. well for the rest of us that don't get to go to comic-con and see the premiere the release date has been set for august 15th 2023 just about my birthday 
Yeah, and I think you can pre-order it at this point, right? You totally can pre-order it on this po- at this point. I think on iTunes and Vudu and a couple other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably on Amazon. It's getting a 4K Blu-ray release, the whole deal. Yeah, that's. I did see that on the end of the trailer. It's like, wow, we're putting it out on physical media. That's cool. I yes. like it. I'm going to... I Like, all of my other stuff is on Vudu. I own very little physical. And honestly, the way all of Babylon 5 has been treated with this on and off and all this streaming service crap, I'm probably just going to buy the 4K Blu-ray. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I would imagine that pre-orders for this is a good thing. Like, the more pre-orders that yeah. are out there, the better. A hundred percent. I'm sure this will be a a sign as to whether or not we get a remaster re-release if this does well i'm sure we will get a physical media blu-ray set of the series yeah and it can only help our chances for reboot someday i would think yeah and we can only hope they've got those animated menus that yum yum is so fond of (laughs) indeed all right well with all that said we have season four episode six into the fire big ep yeah one of the biggest of the series surely yep jms i think i've said this at the end of last episode too had said that if the season five thing hadn't happened if they thought if they if he knew season five was going to happen at this point the -hmm. only difference would have been that this would have been a two-parter yeah otherwise it would have been the exact same spot uh he wanted to he's like you know in real life big things don't happen on you know like the end of the year like that doesn't make sense why would yeah you that's know, true you know it things happen you know big stuff happens in the middle of other things that's mm-hmm. part of what makes them big things so he wanted it to end kind of abruptly kind of mid-season and he wanted it to be jarring on purpose yeah and i think that he's also hinted in dialogue in a few previous episodes that just because the big thing is going to happen doesn't mean the story's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah, We've had a handful of characters say that now. Unlike storytelling up until this point where it's kind of like, Oh, we fought the big battle and everyone's good and it's happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't want to tell the story that way. No, he does not. So we open up on a Ansi Ivanova wanting to rejoin the fleet when Lorien is like, no, this is the last of the first ones. We've just got to wait. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lorien describes Sheridan's plan, not as like in terms of tactics or anything, but as a crucible to find the truth. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Then like a space whale shows up. <laughs> yeah. I know that's not the actual ship, but yeah. I thought it was like a wooden ship. It looks very wooden to me. <laughs> yeah, it, this is a weird little thing, but it's not supposed to make sense. Yeah, these uh, first ones are all very like impossible looking ships. Yeah, except for the one that's clearly an homage to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to really be able to comprehend them. They're supposed to be mysterious and unexplainable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, could we cut to the White Star fleet and they are attacking a Vorlon observation post? The White Stars successfully blow it up so that they can move the rest of the fleet past without being noticed. And man, 
this fleet is massive. We get a couple shots that really lend the scale to how many ships they've put together here. And the different types. Yeah. We get uh, some lip service. It's a, over a thousand ships from more than two dozen races. Mm. Impressive. It is a huge fleet. Yeah. Sheridan is very pleased to command Lanier to take us into the episode. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and go to theme. I kind of wish that the White Star fleet wasn't just numbers. I meant to say cool that in the names. last one. Yeah. I don't think that's very Mimbari, but maybe, I don't know. They, they've got a name yeah. for their one ship. Maybe that maybe that's the only one that has one. Yeah. I guess, in you know, we don't know enough about, like, Mimbari mythology to have any attachment to names. Yeah. But it'd be cool if there were, like, some that were named, like, human things and some that were named Mimbari things to show the... I'm here melding for that. of the two. Yeah. Yeah, you name them all after well, what would you do? What if you you're 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 Antilza, you're Ranger One. <laughs> what do you decide they're naming all the white stars after? Make it a theme. Like all yeah. all the good spaceship runs when you've got a bunch of the same ship, they've all got a naming convention of some variety usually. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a big thing in the Star Trek universe is when you've got a class of ship, a lot of the classes of ship share a naming convention like all the yeah. luna class ships are named after moons what is uh there's all of the vesta class ships are named after hills the yeah california classes are named after cities yeah the uss west covina <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah and you know you get a lot of um Named after people sometimes mm-hmm. in naming ships, but that doesn't seem like a very Mimbari thing to do necessarily. Yeah. Unless maybe it's like artists and scientists and something, but not necessarily military. I could see them going for like famous peacemakers. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like naming a ship the Gandhi or something, you know, like mm-hmm. some stuff along those lines. I could see that fitting in with the, the Ranger theme as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. After this, Lita is all like, so why are we defending here and not Centauri Prime, which is clearly the more important world and storyline? Yeah. And Marcus is like, well, Coriana 6 has twice as many people living on it. Mm-hmm. It's just numbers, man. Yeah. It's 6 billion versus 3 billion. Like, the Centauri ideally can handle themselves. Coriana 6 cannot. So, we're here. He's just hopes that uh, Centauri Prime can get rid of all their shadow influence on their own, which is a nice place to cut to Londo, who's trying to do just that. <laughs> yep, he's got 12 hours to go, and it's just running around trying to get this handled. Yeah, he's getting uh, Minister Verini all in a tizzy about mm-hmm. how fast he wants things done, but I think maybe Minister Verini's just always in a tizzy, yes? <laughs> I would believe so. <laughs> Status quo for this man. <laughs> Delenn passes along Ivanova's status, and Sheridan confirms for her to come out. Delenn is all like, hey, did you want to like have her hang back just in case? And Sheridan's yeah. like, I made a promise. Well, if Delenn had made the point, which would be a very valid point, that if something should happen to herself and Sheridan being on the same ship... <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we might need Ivanova to be in a more secure location. Yeah. I think that's a valid point. That's why Zach's back at B5. <laughs> <laughs> Zach is going to take over. Well, Garibaldi, Vice too, Vice yes. President. 
yeah, well, well. We don't know where Garibaldi's at, right? He's not here. Garibaldi's back on the station. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Surely. I think we I think we find out what's going on with him now next episode. Yeah, okay. Anyways, Ivanova and Lurien talk as she preps at Babylon 5 before heading out. And she's like, I'm kind of skeptical about this whole first sentient thing. You know? Mm-hmm. And man, he's just like... He says she's leading with her mind and not her heart. Uh-huh. She reports that she's not on speaking terms with her heart. Yeah, and he's like, I noticed. <laughs> right. <laughs> He tells us that his race is naturally immortal, but they can be killed, mm-hmm. right? But it sounds like they decided that immortality wasn't all it was cracked up to be, so they made their later generations not immortal. <laughs> <laughs> so he sa- he tries to explain to her that the shortness of life is a gift, and mm-hmm. only races who are not immortal can believe that love is eternal. Like, if you are immortal, you know it's not. (laughs) Right. He's like, it's the greatest gift gift your race has received, the ability to believe that love is eternal. Way to be a fucking downer. Men would rather live forever to dull their emotions away slowly like a rock in a river rather than go to therapy. (laughs) Nice. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Over on Centauri Prime, Lando meets with Minister Durano who's the head of Centauri Intelligence. This dude looks exactly like I thought you would tell me the head of Centauri Intelligence looks like. Yeah. 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 Just, I don't know. I couldn't have drawn it, but when I saw it, I knew it. He's the guy with all the secrets, and he looks very worn out about them, in my opinion. (laughs) He's just like, ugh, back on this bullshit again. (laughs) Right, like old news. Uh, Yeah. But BT dubs, Rifa didn't kill Adira. It was Morden. Yeah. Which was painfully obvious to everyone but you. <laughs> <laughs> and Londo reacts accordingly to this big revelation. Yeah. Peter acts the hell out of this scene and destroys Agreed. all of the crew's lovely set work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many of these shots do you think you get? You really kind of have it one go at it, right? Or you got to just keep destroying props and set? I got to imagine on Babylon 5, this is a one shot. Yeah. You don't get to retake this. You don't have a dozen vases sitting in the back waiting to be destroyed. Nope. Ivanova has let her Duolingo streak go, but she's still basically a native speaker Mimbari guy's promise. She learns all hell is Mimbari for continuous fire. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's just shooting at nothing into hyperspace. <laughs> right. <laughs> this seems like it would be a problem for most humans, right? These yeah. uh, rangers who are in command of these ships, the human rangers, they've got to show some incredible restraint, in my opinion. I would probably be shouting, ah, hell, all the time. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Lorien uh, is like, look, you're going to have to un- understand your way to winning this war, not fight your way to winning it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We learn Sheridan has hid nukes in a bunch of asteroids again. <laughs> There's just no problem a nuke won't solve for Sheridan, right? This is the exact same tactic he used to defeat the one Mimbari cruiser in the Earth-Mimbari war. Yeah. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. But... 
there is, I mean, he does solve a problem without a nuke in this episode, so I can't quite give him the broken record rap. Uh, this isn't Walter White and Thermite, but, you know, it's it's getting there. Yeah, I mean, you would think if you're other races, you might uh, look for a way to look for <laughs> hidden nukes at this point, right? Oh, we're fighting John Sheridan, the guy who hides nukes and asteroids? Better not fly near asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> Morden is brought before Londo all healed up they didn't make him put any loaf on for this scene which was nice yeah we need to see this face right mm -hmm. for reasons you yeah. know yeah Morden refuses to remove the ships Londo has Morden's shadow keepers killed yeah nice move I didn't know that this was possible <laughs> yeah and I, I mean, if I'm one of these Centauri guards and I'm given instructions to just fire into the air next to the guy, I'm going to have fun with that. That There's seems like dudes fun. behind him, too. There's guards in the four corners. So, like, you're effectively asking me if I don't know the invisible thing is there. I'm firing at the other guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> right? It's like mind bending. Like, OK, boss, like you're in charge and. I thought you were going to be better than Cartagia, but here we are. Yeah. Maybe it's just so status quo for them at this point. Yeah, for the, the <laughs> lower Centauri, we just follow orders blindly, and yeah. we don't have any independent thought. This is just how it is. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> he asks Morden again. Morden refuses again. And then Lando plays his hand, blowing up the entire island of Selene. Yeah. Did you catch... So they show us the island blowing up. Did it look uh -huh. familiar to you? I've seen this island on a map, perhaps? I did not. I'm letting my geography lack oh, of knowledge show. But do tell. It, it's Sicily. Okay, I kind of wondered, because, you know, the name Cellini mm -hmm. is very similar to Sicily. So I yeah. always kind of thought, I wonder if that... You know, in Rome and Italy and stuff, right? And you look at... Yeah. It look, literally looks like Italy and Sicily. Like, if you freeze nice. frame it and, like, warp the image a little, like, it's, it's like, drawn out in places. It's like they pulled two corners and stretched it out a bit. Yeah. But it's literally just Italy and Sicily. <laughs> that's, that's a nice symmetry. I like that. Yeah. Morden is thrown back into a cell after this. Yeah, there's something special for, for oh. Morden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got... Something's gonna happen. Ivanova <laughs> makes it back to the fleet just in time. The Shadows and the Vorlons arrive at the same time. Sheridan sends up the nuke asteroids, getting both forces to attack. Lorien yeah. and Marcus kind of hectically trade places, and Lita tries reaching out to the Vorlons. And we cut back to Centauri Prime in what is probably one of the most iconic shots of this entire show. Indeed. <laughs> we finally get a nice thing for Veer. Yep, Veer gets summoned by Londo. There's a gift waiting for him in the gardens. He walks out, looks up, and then we get a cut back to, was it season, end of season one, start of season two, where Veer talked to Mr. Morden about what he wanted. He finally answered Mr. Morden's question. And he's like, I, I want to wave at your head on a pike like this as it's in the Centauri Gardens mm -hmm. to warn future generations of the price of power being too high and he looks up he smiles and he waves 
just as described. Just like it. Yeah. This is just chef's kiss. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in all of this show. <laughs> now we get the flashback. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the flashback is important in the non-streaming era of television. For sure. Because yeah. recalling a very specific mannerism from a scene three seasons ago is a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but in streaming, do you think that this flashback exists? Like if the show were made today? I don't think in streaming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe there's something else like in the set pieces or in the costuming or expression on his face mm-hmm. that reminds you of that original scene or maybe even like blocking like where where he is in relation to the pike but i don't think you need the whole flashback in yeah. streaming land but for non-streaming land it's been you know years right mm-hmm. it's been a couple of years since we saw this scene yeah oh it's so, so good makes sense at the big battle, Sheridan calls on the first ones to take out the Vorlon planet killer before it can strike. Londo then meets up with Veer in the gardens, who has sent word to the Vorlons with the proof that they have removed all the shadows touched from their world. And Veer's like, mm-hmm. almost all of it. <laughs> You're still here, Londo. Yeah. Uh, Londo is very blind to his own part in all of this. He does the rightish thing. So the Vorlons arrive in orbit. They block out the sun. And Lando is immediately like, Veer, you have to kill me and tell the Vorlons. Like, just yeah. here's a gun. Shoot me right now. And Veer's like, well, we don't know. Maybe, maybe you get a pay. And we know because of the other scene that the Vorlons, having just suffered the destruction of their planet killer, have called for reinforcements. Mm-hmm. They don't know this. But the planet killer gets up and leaves, but not because Lando got a weekend pass for his shadow interactions. Yeah, so they've got a unfortunate idea that they're okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe maybe not so much. After this, Lita gets all funky, being taken over by both the Vorlons and the shadows. She takes Sheridan and Delenn elsewhere. Elsewhere, of course, being the Grey Council set. we only have so many sets right you've got one big empty room with a couple overhead lights installed it's all you really need yeah yeah (laughs) sheridan yells at frozen lady vorlon while delenn gets shadow friends okay so what's the deal with frozen lady vorlon i think it's supposed to be one of the centauri prophetesses okay that's i thought that that's what it reminded me of, at least. I just vibe. didn't know, like, why? why. It does, yeah. Shared does that interact with, like, Lady, who was Majel Barrett? Lady Morella? Am I remembering that right? Something? Yes, Lady Morella. All right, got it in one. I don't understand it, though. Like, why? Sheridan doesn't interact with this character at all. And you've already got, like, Kosh, right? Well, maybe it's not a Centauri prophetess necessarily, because the Centauri also have the lady telepaths. Yeah. Right? And we know they would have been seeded by the Vorlons. Mm-hmm. Why, why Centauri? I don't quite know. Like, maybe it's symbolic of their slipping away from the Vorlons. Mm. It's know. a good question that I haven't seen answered anywhere. Uh, maybe I missed it. 
Hey, Discord, yeah. if you it's, know it's what the hell's things. going maybe, on. Maybe it's out there. Yeah. Who knows? Know. Sheridan asked the Vorlons why they never attacked Zaha Doom. They're like, you wouldn't understand. And he's like, bullshit, I nuked that bitch. Just like, come on. <laughs> uh, Delenn gets read the dust jacket of the Fountainhead by Lanier. And she yeah. tells him to fuck off with that reductive bullshit. Uh, Delenn brings up that the Shadows and Vorlons refuse to destroy each other because then the other will never know who was right. Uh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst couple ever. Like, the worst couple you've ever met. That's... Yeah. They're just... Yeah, the ones who should just get divorced already. Well, the but... one... They're like the couple that's dating that are perfectly miserable with each other. Uh-huh. Like, the the two worst people you've ever met dating. You know? Yeah. Like... That's what this is. That's, that's I definitely can picture at least one of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan and Delenn tell the older races that they're going to take their ball and go home. The shadow planet killer cloud envelops the fleet as both the Vorlons and the shadows appear on the bridge of the white star. Lorien tells them their next words will decide their fate and to choose them carefully. Sheridan makes them do our cold open, but they didn't prep. So they just sit in silence. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Had to improvise that one more than once. Yeah, exactly. Delenn's like, how can you expect us to answer when you've forgotten? The game is over. They refuse to accept this. They're like, hey, you can't get everyone to give up on our game if you're blown up. And the <laughs> fleet surrounds them, showing all races are in agreement. A handful of ships sacrifice themselves to save the White Star to let this continue going from various races. And then Sheridan tells them to get the hell out of our galaxy. Best line ever. Well, there's a, there's a lot of good lines in this show. This is a very good one that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Lorien is like, look, I guided and then step aside. It's time for you to do the same. Y'all need to leave the galaxy to the younger races now. Yeah. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. They go out past the rim. Uh, yeah, they just do it. They're tired. Yep. Lorien. They've been shown up. All the first one ships that stayed behind, and then all the shadows and Vorlons. Lorien tells them they now have stewardship of the galaxy, and they must guide their younger races, then step aside as they have. And thus begins the third age of mankind, as promised since the beginning of our opening credits. In season yeah. one, the dawn of the third age. And John goes a little bit into the different ages, but there's actually a bit more of this. Okay. Um, Do tell. All right. So, uh, there is a uh, source book that Mongoose did called Darkness and Light, the Vorlon and Shadow Fact Book, where all this comes from. Uh, this is from the Babylon 5 RPG that we should still figure out a way to play sometime. Yeah. <laughs> So the first age is uh, just you're on your planet. And if you don't make it past the first age, it's because you never left your planet. Right. So like the okay. Zahn that Fair. we hear the Centauri talk about Neanderthals would be an example of a first age species on Earth here. The second age begins when you start exploring the stars and the universe. So spacefaring races, second age races. So mankind has been in its second age. The second age is marked by the race falling under the influence of older, more powerful species. This process is unavoidable. It's very much like a child growing up dependent on its parents. 
like the parents teach and shape their child the young race inherits its cultural and technological characteristics of its elder the mimbari inherited from the vorlons the drock learned much from the shadows etc okay the second race evolves and learns a great deal through its elder but there's a catch like a child grows and must learn to fend for itself without its parents so must the younger races if a race grows too dependent on its elder it loses the capacity to evolve on its own when that happens the race may permanently ruin its chance to mature into something more than a shadow of its elder hmm. okay in the third age a race has rejected its elders further further guidance and influence and stands on its own actions uh, this is becoming a young adult, going out on your own, moving out of your parents' house. During the Third Age, the race goes through a technological boost since it's no longer bound to its elders' rules. This new freedom returns the danger of self-destruction. A Third Age race could exterminate itself with its new technological discoveries. There's a couple exist examples of this on here. Like it gives the Markab as an example, actually, and the Dilgar. Mm. for a race to survive its third age it must redefine itself like a young adult aging the race must keep learning and going through a deep change so deep it practically severs its primitive roots becoming an entirely different species the culture evolution is so hard that most races retreat from it the fourth mm. age is the last step for a race to become a full-grown elder in its own right following the cultural change the race has passed beyond its third age let's see oh that's that's not spoilers. It gives the example of the Narns heeding Jakar's warning and moving beyond their hate for the Centauri. If they're able to make this cultural change, they could possibly pass through their third age. Okay. Following the cultural change, the race has arrived in its fourth age. It is a fully grown adult species, free, wise, and powerful enough to shape the universe as it sees fit and walk among the stars like a giant. The Walkers of Sigma 954 are an example, as are the rest of the first ones. The fourth age is to many the last step of a race since they are now like gods. Fourth age race is powerful enough to fight any outside threat and wise enough to avoid killing itself with its own power. However, it could still kill itself culturally, if not physically. Should the cultural change of the third age have not been strong enough, or should the race's transformation not be deep-seated and complete enough, then it will simply begin to fade. When a race can f fulfill all of its dreams it had when it was young, and has nothing more to search and achieve, it stagnates and begins to die off. So did Lorien's race self-destruct itself in the Fourth Age? Um, if he's the only one left? Well, he says that the rest of them left, and so I would say that's the, that's the Fifth Age race, is after you've done the whole guide a younger race thing, your Fifth Age is you are... Let's see, a fifth age, during the fifth, oh, fifth age races are Vorlons and Shadows, and Lorient's race. A race becomes the parent of the galaxy and the guardian of the younger races. Okay. And then the sixth age is out there beyond the rim. When you leave. Okay, yeah, you that's leave. a lot more ages than I was thinking, to be honest. Yeah. I was thinking we'd have one, two, three, four. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I like that, though. That's nice and comprehensive. All right. So those are the ages. So humanity has now entered its third age. Finally. It mm -hmm. only took us 3.25 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Centauri Prime, Londo refuses to be happy with their survival in the end of the war, unless the universe conspire against him. I mean, I understand. <laughs> you don't want to be too happy because you're going to draw somebody's attention. 
for sure. And he doesn't want to draw anyone's attention, which is why he's heading back to B5, even though he's prime minister of the Centauri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to do that from far away. Yeah, just in case. You know, uh, there are people who think that, you know, maybe Londa just overthrew the monarchy. Maybe maybe that's not a great feel, not a great place to have, yeah. not the best rep. Yeah, it puts a target on your back in a race like the Centauri, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minister Durano is going to start hearing a lot of things. <laughs> the White Star Fleet heads back to Babylon 5, and they discuss the future. The first ones are gone, and they need to make their own magic now, their own legends. Yeah. As per the age guide that we just read. Mm-hmm. Shadow War's over, y'all. Dun, dun, dun. It it's done. 12 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, in non-streaming land, it did feel longer. Yeah. Well, you had a break it in between like seasons more. and, like, mm-hmm. weekly. Yeah. We had time to mentally stew upon it as we waited each week for more in- info. Mm-hmm. But in Streaming Land, it does feel terribly short. It's real quick. Yeah. I want it to be longer if we live in Streaming Land for a reboot. And even if the... Who knows? There may not even be a Shadow War in a reboot. Yeah. Uh, But if it was, I want it to be a little longer. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that we're going to get some more war anyway. Oh, yeah. But before we get to that war, we mm-hmm. got to ask how you feel about this episode on a scale of Babylon's one to five. Well, if we're going with your criteria from last time about what would I change, aside from things like, for some reason, I don't know if it's iTunes or whatever, the audio quality is not great in parts of this episode for me. That's just technical stuff. You know, we obviously have better CGI now. Mm-hmm. But, like, plot-wise, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. So, I guess it has to be a five out of five. It's the peak of the show, really. Like, yeah. this is it. Like, this is this is the, the big story that we've been building to the whole time. Everything else is aftermath of this and other stuff that's happened in the series at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is not to say that nothing important happens from here on. Tons of important stuff happens from here on. Right. But yeah, this was, it's a huge episode. It's, it's Babylon 5 at its peak. It's five out of five for me. No doubt. Yeah. And then. I love this episode. Yeah. It's got great quotables. Mm-hmm. It's got that chef's kiss of a scene with, you know, Morden and his head on the pike. Yep. And Veer finally gets, gets to his wave. moment. Yep. Mm, yeah. So good. Just, I love that stuff. <laughs> it's great. All right. Well, after this, we've got Season 4, Episode 7, Epiphanies. Earth prepares to shut down Babylon 5. Bester Uh-oh. wants Sheridan to return to the Shadow Homeworld. And Garibaldi resigns. Oh, Bester's back. Huh. That's kind of a lot. Bester's back, baby. Yep, Bester's back. I'm looking forward to that. It's not good. We're not going to have a nice little we get to rest on our laurels episode. Nope. Which is what we were hinted at, so... <laughs> Here's the payoff. Speaking of payoff, we've, we we haven't paid him, but we would have liked to thank Jeremy Siegel for our <laughs> lovely theme music. Indeed. <laughs> if we ever made money, you can find... I mean, it'd be one thing. <laughs> you can find more of Jeremy Siegel's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com or on Spotify and iTunes and all the streaming stuff as Nuclear Jaguar, yep. where he is doing an album a month. For 2023. 
Hey, Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram. Thank you for our podcast art. We really appreciate it. Indeed. And thank you to Aaron for editing our podcast. Thank you. You're really the the rock of this whole thing. It's true. <laughs> it would not come out without you. Very true. And thank you, listener, for tuning in and spending your time with Laura and I as we talk about Babylon 5. It's greatly appreciated. Whoarub5 mm-hmm. at gmail.com is our email address that I always forget about. We have a Twitter that I never check, but it, it exists. Yeah, same. <laughs> and uh, D- Discord is where most of the conversation happens. Oh, we have a Facebook, too. <laughs> yeah, we do have a Facebook. And we are pretty prompt about responding over on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because that, that sends notifications to my phone. So yeah. it's easy. Right. Twitter, I don't have installed anymore. Yeah. Ever same. since Musk took over. Yeah, that's been weird. Uh, so. We're in the worst But the Discord line. is a very lively place to be. And it also has notifications on my phone. <laughs> It's true. Yep. And people are talking about the trailer there and all kinds of stuff. Our Discord is a blast. Join up there and hang out with other fans of the show and us. There's a whole channel just for memes if you're into the memes. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, Internet. All right. Bye.